started listening to podcasts um, when I, I was working a manual job. Right. And I just wanted something to listen to the background. And I would switch in and out. And then if someone said something that was salient, I'd pick up on it and go, oh, I want to listen to that a little bit more attentively. Yeah. And then come Wait, in are, you, are, you, are we having the conversation already? We are having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Are you recording? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll nail this, eh? <laughs> One day. I wasn't sure if you're, if you're um, telling me what you're going to say later. No, I'm saying it now. Oh, you're saying it now. Okay. Just say it now. Yeah. So, we're um, not, so we, we've forgone the whole welcome to the episode. Well, you just did it, so. Yeah, I did, I did just say that, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, okay. but then is saying it the same as, as, as meaning it? I didn't really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not welcome to this episode. <laughs> you can fuck off. <laughs> but um, no. what I was starting to say was about podcasts in general. Right. Not, not specifically about this one or any podcast related to this one. But why did you get into this? And why are they such a phenomenon, do you think? Because they have been around... Well, the first podcasts came out many, many, many yeah. years ago. But now they've just sort of hit... Well, I, I got into podcasts when I heard about uh, a podcast series called I'd Hit That. Right. And I and I didn't really... I think I vaguely knew what a podcast was, but I um, hadn't really listened to them before. Mm. And I think I probably would have had the opinion of, like, how am I going to ever have time to listen to that? Right. You know? Uh and then, but I started listening to this this series because I realised that these guys were talking to professional musicians mm. and some very very successful professional musicians, and I thought, wow, what a great resource! You know, I can mm. hear all their stories and opinions and takes on things, and, and you know, that's an extraordinary you know access to great information. Yep. Um, as I'm working on my own career, what a great thing to take in. And you know? a lot of them seem well, they seem unedited and unrehearsed. And what is the nature of them? That's the nature yeah. of this one, you know. Yeah. Very little editing. And it was going that one on. too. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you know that the information where you think that most of the information is unfiltered and mm. kind of immediate, um, which is sort of I don't know, endearing in a way. You're not it's not um scripted no. or And um, there's no agenda. No, there's no agenda. Yeah. And it's not you know, it's you get the impression that it's not anyone's uh, well, it's points of view, but you know, it's not filtered through a corporate kind of yeah. I mean, there's mentality. It's the like. authenticity thing, yeah. You know, in in the modern society, like yeah. everything is so thought out, and you know, yes. I mean, yeah, and filtered. You know, like literally, like our Facebook filters and what yeah. have you, and on the the Snapchats or the whatever the. Oh, and also some of the big talk shows and stuff. I mean, there are a lot of people working on exactly the right way to say things and, yeah. you know, everything from that well, to... reality TV shows. They're scripted. They're exactly. not, well, of course they are. real. Exactly, you know? yeah. And, and of course, we all know that politicians' speeches are written for them and, and all of these things. So I think these days when you've got um, authentic conversation, it's actually quite refreshing. Yeah. It's, you yeah. know, and I think you can generally feel it. You can feel that it's... You can sense it. Yeah. Yep. So, so um, people, people don't know that we're reading this from a script right now. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I got into this podcast and it became a habit, basically, listening to yeah. this thing. And I realized there's actually lots of time to listen to it. I, could, I walk the dog. I, you know, it's brilliant when you're driving. Yeah. Especially when you're in crappy traffic. It's incredible um, how, yeah, three-hour podcast, you think, I haven't got three hours to invest in this yeah, shit. Yeah, But it flies by, you know, and you'll listen, sometimes you'll listen to them over and over again. Yeah. There's a, um, a podcast that I got in, into was um, Hardcore History. Okay. And which came via another podcast, um, the Joe Rogan Experience, which is the very first kind of... Oh, no, actually, uh, the it was a... Uh, screenwriting podcast I, I was listening to right um i can't remember what it's called jeff goldsmith or whatever um and yeah where was i going with that 
Um, driving. Oh, driving. Yeah. Driving. So the driving. Yeah. You know, you forget the hours that sort of. Yeah. You know, and they're um, you can get lost in them, especially if they're really engaging, which That's we, right. we hope this one is to some. <laughs> well, people. today's one is. Oh man, yeah, is it ever? today's one really is. Um, the other podcast that I got into was Mark Marin's. Yep. And we've talked about that one lots. Um, mm. and that's, that's probably, I think it's one of the most successful ones out there. Yeah. And all it is, is authentic. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's just raw. You don't think yeah. there's any scripted parts? I mean, his intros are probably scripted, aren't they? Uh, I think he reads um, copy for the sponsors. Right. Okay. Um, well, I'm pretty much you can tell he does. Yeah. But yeah. it's not like he's deceiving. Not you. like us, eh? Because we make up the sponsors. <laughs> no, after, no. All the information that we have in there. Well, usually we're, we're often holding copy yeah. but we don't read it <laughs> because neither of us have actually developed the skill of reading it in a way that doesn't sound like you know we've got a computer rammed right up our ass <laughs> and and um on the on the subject of the sponsor which mm. I, I i think it was probably one of the most seamless um um uh segues yeah. that i've done so far that i ruined by pointing out the segue um but <laughs> but i just wanted to take the point that you know <laughs> um celebrate we, the first so you've got to celebrate your successes Danny, absolutely and yeah. um, let's celebrate that for a, and we are being authentic so yeah know, um mm-hmm. our sponsor is acoustics hearing technologies and these okay. are the guys that that do uh in their monitors right yeah do you use in their monitors i have in yeah. the past yep. yep i use i use them and i love them and um you use this particular brand yes right. yep the brand of the monitor is called ultimate ears mm-hmm. which um ah, yeah okay. yeah they're pretty well known yeah. and they're i as far as i know they're the probably the best i reckon i reckon you know i'm i'm not reading copy here though i i think they're the they're yeah the well ones. i haven't read the copy which is why i went ah ultimate ears i have yeah. heard of them yeah and i probably should have known that they're the sponsor before um, the, the product name but yeah and um and what i love about these guys is that the product's great they have different models for different musicians um as in they've got ones that they've got models that are you know particular for singers and models that are appropriate for bassists and drummers because they give you different frequencies and so on mm-hmm. um different drivers and they also just have great service you know um thomas Mueller, who runs the company um he's a good dude and he helps you out and he and he repairs things quickly if they need repairing which they very seldom do Um, and they've got some new technology that they're using now which is a 3d digital scanner okay so when i had mine done years ago uh they stuck the goop inside my ears oh like the syringe thing eh? yeah yeah yeah, which is a really weird experience is it weird or is it um kind of fetish type anyway well it it, it brings you very close to your own thoughts (laughs) and if you have thoughts like mine it's weird (laughs) (laughs) so um uh, they'd have to do that and then they send them all to America and get the things made and sent back again. Um, now they have the ability to, to shoot this laser inside your ears that maps, uh, a it digital map brain. of the inside, what'd you say? It fries your brain. No. fries your brain, yeah. No. That maps the inside of your, your ear canal uh-huh. um, and it makes it a far better fit and it also means that they can simply upload this digital model, email it to America and America, or whoever their company is there, prints them oh. out and sends them over. Um, literally 3d prints them yeah okay. yeah and apparently the quality is far superior nice yeah i might have to get myself a pair yeah so they've given us a, a special offer um for this show uh-huh. which is a complimentary 3d scan so, so if you they're not giving you the the ear they're not, they're not giving you the, mon- the monitors right no. okay <laughs> they're giving the great you offer for the show have our product for free <laughs> They wouldn't be around for very long no, if they did that. No, they but they're giving good. you the free 3D the scan, scan thing, yeah, and free which scan. they email off. And how do they access that? Do they say, I've, I have heard about this on the Don't Give Up Your Day Job podcast? Yeah. 
Yeah. There's no special code or anything. No. 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 Well, that's handshake. That's the code. You know? that's it. Yeah. I heard about this on the podcast. <laughs> Frat shake. Right. <laughs> oh, don't give up your day job. And so if you want to find out more or get in contact with them, their website is acoustics spelt with an X instead of a CS, as in acoustics. A C O U S T I X. Hearing. And apparently the reason why he. He um, named it that was because of his love of Asterix and Oblix. Which right. I thought, which Someone I else was... who I hear um, is a great fan of Asterix and Oblix is our guest today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was that your cue to like, t- telling me to hurry the fuck up, right? And get, and get to it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, now, he's someone that you know from your past. You've, you've yep. done uh, a bit of uh, business with him. Yep, I have. And he's a business mentor and he has a business mentoring website or a company that yeah. mentors what he likes to call growing businesses yep yep i got to know him and i got to know his family a little bit mm-hmm. um his son worked for me briefly right and um and mike's the top guy with some really amazing ideas and and he's someone who's passionate about you know small business and big business and and he's also a huge music fan plays and guitar he, he talks passionately about his family too yeah exactly in the, in the podcast and we most of the time we're talking to people who are creative professionals we thought we'd do this one do, do something a little different with this one and talk to someone who's just got lots of great ideas he's a professional creative yeah and he's a mentor so yeah talk about the right person to talk to yeah yeah and we didn't get a chance to broach the subject of which, which i think is which caught my eye yeah when i read the fact that um, Southern Cross Healthcare, who were forty-two million dollars in debt at the time that he took over, he bought them, turned them around to a thirty million dollar profit within two years. Right. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And we didn't get to talk about that. You did mention to him at passing, and his answer was, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's all marketing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but th- th- you know, maybe we'll get to talk about that in the future with him because that, th- yeah, there's got to be a story behind that. It's a pretty action-packed conversation. Yeah. Um, we definitely get into it. Yep, we'll get amongst it. Yeah. Great. Now let's do this! Don't give up your day job. Yeah, mainly around principles, really, because that that then becomes relevant and you can take learnings from from that abstraction to almost any business. And if you want to think about music as a business, then... Mm. You know, maybe it's worth playing with um, the the business genre. Well, that, yeah. I, I made a couple of notes around some things that I picked up, some from your website and some okay. other sort of ideas, right. and and how to sort of put them in a music frame. So if you're yep. thinking about, um, you know, customer acquisition and retention, that's the same as building a loyal fan base. You know, yeah, a yeah. fan base yeah. that's loyal to yeah. you that will come back and buy your product. Yeah, product yeah. is another thing. Um, yeah. Your brand, your your music, or whatever it is you're selling well let, let me let me um and, and maybe i should explain um my background on yes the, on do the, that so yeah. so my background as a musician is um very very low right very low profile <laughs> uh i uh i've been playing guitar now for 41 years um how is that possible when you're clearly I, only 33 yeah, exactly i was a child prodigy yeah. um <laughs> i wish i was better but um so I, I I played uh particularly with my brother and a and a mate of ours and uh and in various permutations it it paid for my uh paid for my way through uni actually, playing in just playing in, you know, just residencies and pubs, just covers and yep. the occasional original and stuff like that and you know, the originals were always a hell of a lot more hard work than the than the covers and And yeah. with the covers you played back then, the same covers that people play now? <sighs> 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what's really cool is, so my brother and I, play, and, and after a hiatus of about, oh, I don't know, 20 years, we would just play at family stuff and just, mm. just play. Then we, a couple, last year, I think we started playing, we played, played together again and, and we played at the Elbow Room up in uh, Jervis Road. And it was, um, and we'd practice and we'd just, we'd just start one of these songs. I'd go, I'd play a chord and he'd go, oh, yeah. And we'd just go into, you know, it's all over now, baby blue. Just yeah. the way we did it, you know, kind right. of twenty five years right. ago, and That's even our love. Yeah. Oh, it's just, <laughs> and we have very good, um, good harmony sense, and just uh-huh. that innate understanding that comes, you know, that real kind of, you guys know it. That yeah. yeah, I mean, moment I, of joy. Some of those musicians that you worked with so often, yeah. like Clint, is one of those people. Yep. You know, played in with Opshot, but we play now in the yep. band yep. Automatic Eighties, and I've known him for thirty years. And so, but we just have that lock, that yeah. lock you sink yeah. in, you know, how, how almost intuitively how you're doing. You, you know? don't I, even I, have to look. Yeah. And I you, notice with drummers, sometimes I can anticipate the fill they play. Yeah. And then oh, play, right. play a, like a complimentary thing over the fill. Yeah. If I get to know they're playing, you know. Yeah. 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 And it's just that, you know, that you just, um, whatever else goes on in terms of, of composition and music and technology and everything else mm-hmm. and, and being able to kind of, you know. Uh, do everything on a keyboard effectively. Um, there's nothing to beat that moment of just communion between right. two individuals who don't even have to talk about it, don't even have yeah. to kind of raise an eyebrow. You just know he's going to do that. Yeah. And you're there. The minute he, you know, the, the split second he does it, you're there too. So, and I think yeah. audiences pick up on that oh, too. Yeah. yeah you know? definitely. And, and then they become part of that loop. It's like a yeah. three way feedback kind yeah. of thing, yeah. thing, you know. Well, the yeah. joy, you know, the joy of that kind of moment of communion with somebody else is. Um, isn't is contagious isn't it yeah just people get that get that connection because you just go oh yeah that's good and we, so, and, we, and it's apparently releases the oxytocin uh, what is it the um the love the hormone. hug the hug hormone yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. when people okay, when that, could that go kind so. of that um yeah. i guess feedback loop yeah of, and did, is that what you wanted to do when you were a kid did you did you want to yeah i want to be a rock star i want to be a rock star um but i uh, you know i don't have the i don't have the talent and i didn't have the aptitude to to work at it but surely talent is practiced it's just skill, right? That was the last bit. I didn't have the aptitude. Aptitude, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I look at my son, who's a much, much better musician than me, and he just works, works at it, works at it, works at it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I know that's what it takes. So you took the easy way out and went into big yeah. business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Made money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call of money. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I figured. Even then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I. So what did I do? I did a degree. I actually ended up doing a. A doctorate in international relations, which proved useful in my life perhaps twice since then. <laughs> <laughs> and actually the second time was a bit of a stretch. Why did you choose that? Oh, degree? well, you know, you kind of go down this path and one thing leads to another. And But you're thinking, I'm going to work for the UN, I'm going uh, to go and... I'm I sort of to... half thought maybe I'd work for foreign affairs. I wasn't actually thinking about working, I was thinking right. about this was a really interesting... Uh, a really interesting field to explore. You know, I, I happen to enough. luck into some um, some really good original resource, yeah, and a and a kind of a patron who helped me into that stuff. Um, uh, a fantastic, uh, a New Zealand hero actually, a guy called Frank Corner, who at the age of twenty six was um, New Zealand's representative at the Paris Peace Conference in nineteen forty six, and he wow. was at he was oh. at the signing of ANZUS in nineteen fifty one, and he was at in, this, in London during the Suez Crisis in nineteen fifty. Everywhere that there was something going on, he was like he was like Chauncey Gardner and in, in being there, he was there. You know? Yeah, right. Uh, but he was a lot smarter than than uh, Chauncey Gardner. He was a, a fantastic New Zealander. Right. Um, 
and he and he gave me access to some some wonderful material so i kind of got into that and stayed with it really yeah explored it until you know but like a musician you go down a path and you kind of follow a follow a style and so you weren't thinking along the lines of starting a business as well no nothing at all no 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 i had no entrepreneurial flair at all no um so i was a student i'm you know by nature curious and interested Mm. in stuff uh i got then i got some work as a consultant and um was involved in a lot of change stuff in the public sector uh was a partner at Ernst Young Consulting, and in, in the course of that, in my late thirties, I suppose, made the transition to private sector work. Yep. Uh, and then I was in, in a big corporate. I was at Southern Cross for a couple of years in a big a big role there. Mm-hmm. And then thirteen years ago, I bought my own business. It was a, an existing business, an education program for business owners. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I've um, been working with small business owners ever since. So right. teaching, actually it's a combination of teaching and preaching, which sort of suits my background really. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing and, and uh, published a book last year. Yep. Did you get the book? Uh, I don't have a copy. Oh. Because you haven't seen it to me. Oh my God. The Breakpoints. Is that the, it's the name of the book? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah, written yeah. Don't, don't, don't buy it. It's, you know. Don't buy it? Starving musicians, I'll send you copies. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> <laughs> everyone listening should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, I find myself saying that a lot now. It's in the book. Um <laughs> Pretty much everything I know, it's in the book. Right. right. Uh, so yeah, so so that's what I've been doing and uh, continuing with the the music. Yeah. Um, so when you started the company and you started to 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 give people guidance and, mm, and advice and so on, mm. did you have to go through a process of feeling like um, or, or somehow qualifying yourself to yourself? Does that make sense? Or the imposter syndrome? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. No, so you're just arrogance. Just yeah. Helped, you know? Oh, <laughs> look. And... Um, no, I think that's something for your thirties. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, really? I oh, so you grow out of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You do. You so, really do. Oh, that's good you, news. You, um, I listened to Ralph Norris the other night at the World Class New Zealand as he won the Supreme Award, and he's a, he's a fantastic career. You know, mm. CEO of ASB, CEO of Air New Zealand, CEO of Commonwealth Bank. They don't come bigger than that. And at the end, he said, "Oh." I'm not quite sure what I'm doing here, really. I right. feel like a bit of a fraud. I'm an imposter. And I thought, well, I'm not sure that's a good thing for a bank person to say. <laughs> but, but, you know. Use the word fraud. No, fraud. No, not a good word. Must check my word. Literally, exactly. Um, but, but, which I thought was really interesting. I, I, I think he was trying to be humble, and, and maybe in the moment he kind of misspoke, but yeah, um, didn't come out right. I think that's the Kiwi, the, the Kiwi way, though, the tall poppy syndrome or the self deprecating kind of. Uh, the, the imposter syndrome is a very real thing and, and a lot of people feel that a we were literally just it. talking about this before you t- turned yeah. up yeah. about a friend of ours who were asking to come on the podcast and he goes I don't think I've got anything yeah. to say I'd feel like a fraud he used that yeah. word mm. I, don't, I don't know that it's I always think you know when people say it's a, it's a Kiwi thing you know and I think oh is it or do I see evidence of it elsewhere I think it's a uh, I think it might be an Anglo-Saxon thing right I, I don't think it's especially a problem that our Australian or American cousins suffer from that much. No. But I think um, I think that kind of self, that, that modest, there's a modesty, which mm. is, you know, as modesty, it's quite becoming. Sometimes it's pseudo-modesty, though. Sometimes it's pseudo-modesty. Sometimes yeah. it's false modesty. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think it's fair enough to say it's a Kiwi thing. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's, ne- it's nowhere else, but there's, That's different, true. there's That's definitely true. going to be, you know, predominant yep. character traits in, yep. in different societies, yep. you know, yep. in different yep. cultures. True enough. Yep. And um, usually people turn their phones off. Yeah, they, they do. do. <laughs> I don't usually get texts after six o'clock. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I think that look, the impo- I think the imposter syndrome, and you you know you kind of hit forty and you realise this is you, yeah. and, and it's cool. I, I think one of the things that comes with with uh, one of the upsides of getting older, and there are some, uh, is a greater level of self acceptance, self yeah. self knowledge, self acceptance, and a lesser it? level of giving a fuck of what other well, people think. And yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there's a, there's a wonderful book called The Rules for Aging, right? Uh, which everybody should read, just as a way of preparing yourself, really. And the number <laughs> one rule for you know, kind of uh, as you turn fifty, the number one rule is, uh, it doesn't matter. Right. It really doesn't matter. That that was the rule, mm, right. and it's actually true. So it's well, it's not quite true in that sense. It's it's more it's more you realise that there's not much that matters, mm-hmm. but what matters matters a lot. Right. And it's just a few things compared to the kind of universe of things that matter enormously when you are nineteen. Yeah. And reasonably enormous at twenty nine, thirty nine, forty. Yeah, forty nine. It's kind of you know what. There's only a few things, and that's. I mean, it's really perspective, isn't it? Because it you, yeah. you, I well, at least in my life, you know, the, the more you sort of go through things and move on from them, you see them pass, and you see them. You now look at them and they go, "Oh, they're now. That's now ten years ago, and yeah. it just does. I don't care about it I now." And does, yeah. it seemed at the time like it was a big deal. Increasing detachment, which was quite nice. Yeah, which is quite nice. Yeah, um, but that's a long way from the the uh, topic, isn't it? There is no topic, uh, really. No, really, not really. Uh, it sort of it ties into a term that I think, I'm not sure if you coined the phrase, complexifying. I did, so complexicating. People, uh, complexicating. Do people overcomplicate uh, things uh, and f- for that sort of like, I don't know what it is, like it's almost people I've worked with who have to be busy to yeah. make it seem yeah. like they're busy. Right. Uh, oh, that is so prevalent in business. Right, people who, who are addicted to busyness. Mm. Right, and it and a lot of it is about it, it's in the book. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the sort of what is the payoff for people? In fact, I was I was interviewed the other day with um, uh, Heather Duplessis, who I inadvertently called Carol. Uh, <laughs> Whoops, that didn't make it onto the interview portion. <laughs> no. I still don't know who Carol Duplessis is. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and she was quoting a bit about Duncan Garner. You know, there was a page in the book that she was reading. And she said, "Oh, this is so Duncan Garner." Right. And it was all about why do people work so hard? Uh-huh. And in business, a lot of it is about. Uh, I suspect a lot of it is about the need to feel important, mm, the need to feel valuable. And if I'm not working hard, then mm. you know um, other people won't work hard, which is not true. Um, you're just not that important. Mm. Um, but I need to feel valuable through yeah. through hard work and. And more hard work than hard thinking. Yeah. Um, I think the really great business owners are the hard thinkers, right. not the hard workers. See, I've actually, um, this year, I've been trying to remove the word busy from from mm. my, my, my automatic answer. Good. My vocabulary. Good. Um, because I noticed that it was my default. You know, when someone yeah. says, how are you? And you say, good. Totally. Someone say, how are you being? I say, busy. Busy. That's good. Yeah. And then I realized that what I was sort of saying was that I'm terrible at time management. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and also, um, uh, you know, I don't have a nine to five job. Yeah. Um, so therefore I manage my own career. Yeah. So busy to me kind of is a failure because it yeah, means I'm yeah, not really yeah. on top it's of It's true in business. And in other people, the other, the other context that I thought about this in was when someone would say, I haven't done the thing because I've been busy. Yeah. And then what I, what I really um, I think he's talking about on, me here. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what, what, I, what I realize is they're not saying they're busy. What they're saying is other things are more important yes, than that's that right. thing. That's you know, right. so they've other things have got a higher priority. Right. Yeah, Which sometimes right. is fair and sometimes isn't fair, but that's different to being busy. 
Yeah, well, that's and, a decision. and actually, the things that we tend to get busy with tend to be low value stuff that's easy to do, right? Because yeah, because yeah. we like the path of least yeah. resistance. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing you, the thing that's probably the most important to do is the thing that you're avoiding. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Typically, the thing that's human the nature. yeah, it is, yeah. it is human nature. It's yeah. the same in business, you know. I often say in seminars, I just want you to think for a minute about the thing that you don't want to think about. I want mm. you to think about that for a minute. And I want you to realize that's probably the most important thing you have to deal with. Right. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> you know, you've got a list of 37 other things that you you could and probably will do instead. Yeah. But the reality is the one thing that matters is the one that you don't want to do. Yeah. And is the world going to fall apart if you leave those other 37 things alone? Or, you know, do you discover that if you don't do those and then the world doesn't fall apart, they tend to take care of themselves? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way. Yeah. Oh, they do, they do. And, um, you know, the art of, of um, leaving stuff alone is is, um, is quite a highly developed thing, really. Right. Uh, knowing what to leave alone and what to ignore. Because there's a yeah. lot of stuff. There's so much stuff you can simply safely ignore. Mm-hmm. Um and in and in kind of decluttering, you know, the 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 other side of that complexification is um, once you start decluttering, you create this void into which you can put things of value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're prepared to, so you know, if you're prepared to not be busy, then you get these stretches of time, and you kind of you know the the natural response to a stretch of empty time is to say, "Ooh, how can I fill that? I can ooh, go and go and do this and go and do that." You know. Right. Or I can. Do that big thing that I've been putting off. Mm-hmm. Make that phone call. Um, you know what's I don't know what's the equivalent in your life, Danny, in terms of of doing something big and, and kind of meaty that you need hours of time to work on that you that you kind of put off. Well, there's I mean there's always that thing between doing the job and working on the business. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I often end up with quiet periods um, during January because right. it's like everyone goes on holidays there's no, nothing's going on yeah and i usually use at least a week or two in that period to to pull my business apart and sort of re, redo spreadsheets and right. organize folders and just the mechanical shit just to get just to kind of get on top of things again and do um analysis so there's that kind of thing over the year but um that's not you know really... I, I my my advice on that one would be go to the beach okay yeah 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 well, is, like, that, is that because there's a big shift to the sort of health and well-being aspect of people? No, well, there is. There is that yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's more uh, It's more that it's really important to recharge. So, right. Yeah, so, so um, I thought you were asking me a different question. But I'm, like, I'm going to, um, to Europe in a, in a couple of months. I'm well, just going to piss off for three and a half weeks. Yeah, good. You know, and that, that's kind of my version of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. through the week, actually, well, one thing I love doing is, um, I, I do it almost every day, is, is putting a podcast on uh, in my... Um, earplugs and walking the dog. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, my yeah. time out. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Vi- it's it's vital at so many levels. It's kind of uh, uh, so in the book. <laughs> so there are four the break sort points. of breakpoints. Yeah, <laughs> breakpoints. How to shift your business to the next level. <laughs> Available at website w dot dot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there are four breakpoints. It's get a life, get clear, get free, get help. Yeah, and the get a life comes first because. You know, all we are is energy, right? Right. And if we are constantly in work mode and uh, busy mode and and engage mode, we just wear out. We're like a phone, you know. Mm. Phone well, runs out of battery. There's a saying that I love that actually comes from Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. You know Jason mm-hmm. Bourne, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and even though it's a totally fictional story it's mm. the saying the, the saying that i read in the book was um um, rest is a soldier's best defense. Mm. And that, that, Absolutely ever since right. I read that's that, it just, stayed in, my, it just stayed in my head. You know? a wonderful phrase. I may, I may end up writing a blog on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly right. Mm. And, and it's what a lot of us in, in business or in, in trying to make a living don't get, is yeah. that actually we just run down. You yeah. know? And it's really important to recharge every week. Right, you know, to have a day off, a complete day off, kind of twenty four hours. We, we we call it, um, funnily enough, we've got this this sort of. I call it now an attention system, hmm. because it's about our energy is about our ability to apply our attention, and if we're tired, our ability to apply our attention is limited. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important, from a kind of just a straight commercial point of view, to recharge, yeah. so that your brain is good. Yeah, the um, the Economist published a thing not long ago. Uh, a, a study that found that anything over working over 55 hours a week actually the productivity at hour 56 was not worth it right mm-hmm. so 55 hours is the kind of natural limit and that study was based on on um some research done in a munitions factory in 1918 <laughs> oh my god i know i know and it's and it's never been disproven and yeah. every stud, every study subsequently has found pretty much the same thing. Fifty-five so that, that, hours. That nice. reinforces yet again that that busy is not Correct. a good thing necessarily. Totally. totally. That, and the thing I love about that idea that that you should find another option or, or find another solution is that it does force you to do that. Like, how can I use my time more efficiently? And yeah. how can I have yeah, yeah. systems or delegate or whatever? Yeah, all all yeah, those other yeah. subjects. Automate. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Automation. Mm. yeah. Well, well, what about those? We said the study that hasn't been revisited, but. You look at countries like um, France, the thirty-five yeah. hour work yeah. week, and yeah. it, but there are other countries that do that thirty hour or whatever. Have you seen the film um, Where to Invade Next? <laughs> it's it's really. <laughs> it's and you, I mean, I know you're not title. a huge Michael Moore fan, but um, uh, yeah, I kind of take him or leave him. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but the film is hilarious, and yeah. it you know visits countries like Italy where people get to go home for an hour for lunch and yeah. they get time to cook their lunch and yeah. they, maybe they come back but the whole factory shuts down mm-hmm. and then this whole ethical um, business model about your your employees are one of your greatest assets mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah. um, you look after them and your productivity goes through the roof um, so Italy, that, Italy yeah the kind of the Mediterranean countries are a wee bit mixed are even, lazy? Um, in certain parts yes yeah. like <laughs> like about half their economy is black as in uh-huh. not not taxed right oh. <laughs> but stick with France because their 35 hour week their productivity is no different right their productivity then, is, then is not noticeably lower than 40. Germany's or Britain's or anybody else's right so they work 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of their actual output, it hasn't suffered. Yeah. So, and, and look, one of the things that, um, one of my very strong principles is... Sorry, but would it be worth pointing out that it hasn't increased either, or...? Well, no, it hasn't increased, but it's right. kept par and they've got a better quality of life. Mm. Right, sure. Um, they are good at lifestyle. The they are right? good at lifestyle. Yeah, I love spending time there. Yeah, yeah. So one of my, one of my principles is that uh, if you want to do more, do less. Right. So if you want to get better results, work less. Well, this is what I was going to say before, is that to me, almost everything we're talking about relates perfectly to music. You know, yes. like, like, like less, less is, is more and all that yeah, kind of absolutely. stuff. You know, creating absolutely. space and learning yeah, what not yeah, to play. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, but it, and, and it's sort of, um, well, let's put it in a music context. You know, you've got a three-minute single. Mm. So work out your best riff. Because you don't have time to muck around, right? With, you know, well, like what Tom Petty says, "Don't bore us. Get to the chorus." <laughs> yes. mm. Well, that's right. That's right. And and the, the you know, if you want to uh, 
if you want to really kind of work out what's important, yeah, start working a four day week. Yeah, because you've only got four days to do this stuff. It's like when you you know before you're about to go away on a trip, mm. you get massive amounts done, right? Um, more than you'd ever imagined. Yeah, it's just because you don't have time. So deadline. Close those, the door on time and yeah, all people yeah. who are doing assignments at university assignments, right. they leave it to the last night and then they write you know an A plus assignment. Yeah, they probably had two months to prepare for, and if they had yeah. taken that time, they would have revised it so many times and killed gone it. back and forth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. Uh, exactly that that metaphor about the music thing is you get to a point in a studio where you've just got to yeah, get it, it done and yeah. and then move yeah. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah that's um, right. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I look, I'm, I, I learned, one of the things I learned at uni, and, and it's a lesson that stuck with me, for, I'm not a last minute, I, I, I wing things, I improvise, I do all sorts of stuff, but if I've got a deadline, I'm, I'm always well ahead of it. Right, right. Um, which is a kind of, a, 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 yeah, it's one of those kind of contradictions we live with. But <laughs> it's certainly the case that if you limit the time you, you, you make available for stuff, uh, well, put it another way, put it the other way. If you give it more time, you'll take it all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because the work expands to fill the time available. It's a law. Mm-hmm. It's a law of the universe, this one. Same thing with, right. with budget, too. Yes. If you've got the budget, you spend the it. costs will expand One of the reasons I don't like funding. Exceed the budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's your money. You tend to go, actually, do we need to... Um... Yeah. I've only, I've, I've <laughs> only, got, I've only got a grand for this. Yeah. I'll make it work. Right. Yeah. And it's the same. And it's not fucking got, around. Let's yeah, get on yeah, with yeah, it. Let's yeah. get on with it. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've got 40 hours for this. Yeah. That's what it's going to take. Right. And if you apply that in, um, in in your work and say, I don't have unlimited hours to do this stuff, then you just get it done. Yeah. So, you know, do more by doing less. So, something else I'm quite interested in is the, the perception of business and the business person and the entrepreneur and so on yeah. and how that's changed since the I don't know maybe the 60s or 70s where it uh, and, and through the 80s and the yeah. you know that whole period where it was all quite greed is good yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if you agree with me but I feel like growing up the businessman was depicted as being an asshole the whole time and business was associated mm-hmm. often at least in the media and movies and things mm. as being a negative thing and especially mm. If you mm. pursued a rock and roll um, life or mm. career, then then business and that thing was mm. kind of the enemy, like that Studio. corporate thing. Yeah, like I was talking to a guy the other day who was trying to tell me that everybody who works in the corporate um, thing was, was evil. Mm. They were inherently bad. It's like, yeah, man, no, you can't say that. No. <laughs> but, but obviously somewhere along the way, um, the perception's changed and now it's it's almost like the new rock and roll to it be is. an entrepreneur. And, and it's uh, it's Silicon Valley this time. Yeah, rock right. stars, man. Yeah, they rock are. stars. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. The they're stars. young, they're um, innovative. I mean, how old is Zuckerberg now? Is he over 30 yet? Mm, probably oh, not quite. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, he's a rock star, right? Mm. It's scary how much of the world he rules. But um, Have you really witnessed that, that big change? Well... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, yeah. No, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. And it and it's gone from a kind of and it's, a lot of it's to do with the uh, the the restructurings that have gone on in the eighties and nineties. That it's not secure and it's not and and a lot of pressure, uh, good pressure to be more more sustainable, yeah. uh, more corporately responsible. But as much as anything else, you know what's changed the the kind of the brand of business mm. is is the entrepreneur for right. sure. Yeah, and this, you know, we we live now in the age of the disruptor and the entrepreneur, and it's all very cool and tech and you know stuff, yeah. uh, which it wasn't. It absolutely wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Certainly growing up, I, mean, I get exactly what you're talking about. It was, it was yeah. You corporate. used to hear that a lot, that term corporate sellout, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, even with popular music, you know, you're in a band that's playing music that's popular amongst the masses, yeah. then you're a sellout in some yeah. way, you know, and that's yeah. kind of, it's and, and a little I, bit of an old kind of yeah. tired is idea, you know. Well, I think it's an idea and an ideal that people inherit when they when they go into music. They pick up on these ideas and if you push but, them hard enough, they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. And we've said yeah. it before on this podcast. It's called the music business for a reason. Yeah, yeah. but know? that's the thing that's funny is that is that there's so so many people are so kind of you know anti the man if you like you know that yeah. <laughs> whoever the man is, um, and yet they're so willing. They don't want to. They don't want to really get into much of a conversation about money or business. But they're so desperate to sign a record deal, mm-hmm. and it to yeah. me is like the greatest uh, yeah. contradiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and often record deals are terrible. And the implications, <laughs> you know, the business yeah. implications to that signing that deal are enormous. You yeah, know, if you don't know yeah, what, yeah. if you don't know how to, you know, to take care of your business, you're all setting yourself up for a mm. fucking hard fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking of like the majority of musicians I've known, yeah, <laughs> who are desperate. And, to get and signed in that for... regard, in that case, then I mean, notor- musicians are notorious for not well, creatives actually, yeah, are notorious for not being very good business people, yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm I'm a creative, like you, someone else take care of that, yeah, yeah. And that's all well and good if you've got good people around you who yeah. you trust and are good at what they do, but yeah. you know, just not being aware of. In, in a way, you know that that's actually the cop out, isn't it? Yeah, is to is to say, yeah. hey, I'm a creative. You profile yeah. yourself. Yeah. Do that stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that, um, who's who's the who's the kind of uh, uber business person in in uh, in rock? Lady Gaga's amazing. Lady Gaga's yep. pretty sharp. Yep. The sharpest tack on that particular box of thumbpins is Mick Jagger. Yeah. Right. right. So, I mean, totally worked it out. And McCartney's no slug either. But but um, mm. you know, Mick Jagger was, was has been incredibly sharp about mm-hmm. the. Yeah, admittedly, you know, he, he actually he did go through um, his professional background. I think it was he, he graduated from London School of Economics, so right. he started with that. Okay. But it's not it's it's not it's neither impossible nor even um, undesirable to to take an interest in that end of things. No, not at all. And it's the same. And I do think there are kind of strong strong metaphors. You know, in business, one of the really key things in business uh, is to have a distribution channel, right? Which means how do you get to your market? How do you get to the consumers? Mm. And if you just, you know, it's kind of standing on a street corner and yelling or, or, or busking, there's a very kind of hand-cranked mechanism. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's one to a few. Mm. Uh, whereas get yourself a record deal, get yourself into a into a studio, get yourself... But even technology has opened that wide up yeah. now. Internet, The internet has basically laid the ground bare for musicians. They don't have to sign a record deal, really, if they don't want to. If they're savvy enough... The distribution network is the internet. Yeah, well, you know? it's quite interesting that one. I've, I've, it's it's uh, it's not clear to me yet how that's going to pan out. You know, because I think that it's it's called the long tail, right? Mm. Is that somebody can find your music? Mm. But the thing with the long tail is that if you're just on the net, if you if that's all you do, yeah, then if you get found by twenty five people, you, that's really cool. Yeah. But that's not really kind of commercially sustainable. Yeah. You've still got to find a way to move back towards the kind of the front end of the tail, which is the bigger numbers. Mm. And then you're back into, well, you know, how do you get found on the net? Mm. How do you get found on the web? It's got to be distribution. It's got to be promotion. It's got to be standing out, known for something different, you know. Which are all business. Yeah. Um, which are all, tenants. you know, so it's, uh, you know, the, the business model piece I was talking about at the start, the business model design piece is 
who are your partners, what's your distribution channel, what's mm. your value proposition, which is, you know, I think the value proposition is what sort of music do you play and what's the, you know, that, that, that's the creative end of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But those other bits about what are your key activities, what do you do, you know, once you've stopped playing and the, the record's in the can, you know, yeah. what do you do then? Right. Yeah, and also, what's your end goal? Like, are you are you are you making the music to make money? Yeah, which is completely fine. You know, there are plenty of people out there that, for example, professionally write music for soundtracks and for commercials yeah. and jingles and things. It's totally le- legitimate to make money writing music. So, well, is that your or or people who do want to take the long shot and get a um, write a song for someone to to end up on pop radio and get the big royalty checks? If you can pull it off, great. Yeah, but wrong I, with that? I think in the end, yeah, you're right. You know, what what is your objective with it? Yeah. Uh, I guess one thing we can be pretty sure of is that if you go into music to make money, you're really long odds, aren't you? It's yeah. tough. This yeah. day and age. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. tough. I think it's but even harder now. But the point yeah. I'm making is that there are people out there who will, will put together some really self-indulgent project yeah. and then wonder why they can't get it to be commercially successful. Yeah. Yeah. And what I guess what I'm saying is you've you've got to really think it through. Like if your goal is to be commercially successful, then you need to design the music to be commercially successful. If your thing is to just make a piece of art and hope that it has yeah. a life yeah. out there, then yeah. your priority has to be the art. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. it's just about your objective. But if you want to eat while you're making art... Yeah, you either That's need another job, yeah, you, you, yeah. <laughs> you need a day you need, job, or you need to give up your day job, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or, you, or you need to meet the market, right, right, whatever yeah. the market's doing. And and the mm. thing in business is, um, the hard thing is that you've always got to be evolving and adapting because the market's always changing. That's, That's right. That's the same. And I think you made a great point before. I mean, no one's sort of seen where the industry, has, the disruption of the internet mm. that has caused to the industry. No one's kind of seen the bottom of the pool yet I don't think no. and it's yeah. still kind of working itself out and who knows how far that goes down you know I think it's I think it's going to be really hard for uh, for real you know for kind of superstar type acts this, the, over the longer term yes, I agree you know yeah. people like yeah. I mean if like I just Prince well Prince Coldplay even yeah. go back to Coldplay which is relatively you know it's, it's the, um, when they go what 01 or something, mm. or something like yeah, so yeah. they've been running for quite a while mm. but who since then has emerged and 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 persisted, not not. Yeah, you could argue Justin Bieber, but yes, well, um, uh, potentially. Yeah. But I, I think what you're getting at, I see your point. I think, which is one we've made before. Are there ever going to be any superstars like the Rolling Stones going forward? I don't think so. And you know, does it have something to do with that curatorial aspect of the? Um, record companies being the gatekeepers mm. and the tastemakers mm. and the internet's a wild west where you mm. Mm. like you say it's you might get the, 25 the, people yeah I mean the, um, it's not it's beyond fragmentation it's, just it's almost that, yeah. atomization yeah. Right. it's been atomized because yeah. it wasn't that long ago where something come, came out and there was like three TV channels yeah. and a couple yeah. of radio stations yeah. and it, yeah. it was really it got, easy to saturate yeah. a market with something yeah. and yeah. now and now you know who's the next Coldplay it's, they're, they're, there are bands that are really popular now um, that we won't even have heard of, but their but, half-life, you know, you know their half-life yeah. is so short, and their um, their audience is much much smaller. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. a very very narrow demographic. Yeah. yeah. Um, Therefore, yeah. isn't it more important, even more more so than ever, that musicians are down with the all the different ways that they can monetize yeah, totally. yeah, themselves and their product? Totally. Then, you yes, know? not yeah. just that's be about record point. sales. That's Absolutely. a great point. That, yeah. that, that is such. Uh, that's the important thing is that there are. Uh, the technology enables so many different ways to monetize and actually you've got to explore them all mm. yeah because mm. the simple days of kind of signing a record deal you know recording a hit 
making money on the rock, no way. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think those yeah. blockbuster. They, and I really, come back. I think mm. that's why mm. they that so many people and and include myself in the past mm. um, love the idea of the record contract because because yeah. really what it, what the idea was is that you're you're in full swing of your rock and roll life. Yeah. And then there's just like a half an hour meeting at some point where you go, yeah, all right, you know, and you sign a piece of paper and then you leave and then money starts coming in and, and you somebody's can, taking you can care of everything house for you. Sort it out. Mm-hmm. Are you describing a fantasy? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. This is the fantasy of the young. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, and, fuck, that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that's the idea that it, do- it doesn't require any extra effort on the musician's part. That's, that's the important the, point. They can be yeah. that, that there's yeah. this yeah. kind of, uh, in fact, I'm going to, my next book is going to be called The Silver Bullet. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Just because everybody's looking for one and mm. it's supposed to be, you know, in fact, I don't think I've ever seen a silver bullet. So uh, <laughs> that's what people want. Mm. You know, they they want that kind of easy path that somebody's going to do all the hard work for yep. them. And the reality is, unless you're kind of a, a Google, and, and there's a lot of luck in business, right? And there's a lot of luck in music. music. You yeah. all know, mm-hmm. you know, you, you guys know musicians who are tremendously talented mm. and never, ever got a break. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could argue that Danny's been in that, is in that position. He never really got the break that he deserved in yep. terms of his talent and his yep. output. I agree with that. But he went. Well, it's still coming. Yeah, yeah, well, true. <laughs> He's still but, there. But then he went. Well, fuck it. I don't need a rec- yeah. that. You know, yeah, yeah. record company deal. I'll go out and make my own. You know, do what I do. <laughs> you know, actually, something I thought years ago. Um, now that you sort of bring that up, is that what I actually thought was, if I get a record deal, what I, what do I want out of that? Mm. And and I thought, well, I'd like someone to pay for me to make an album you know yeah but then i thought if that happens they're going to want the money back um and they're probably going to want a profit <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah you're beholden so, to them <laughs> yeah so then i sort of worked that through in my head and then i thought i i'd read a n- number of times about times where artists got management deals or record deals or whatever and they weren't high priority on the on the roster mm. mm-hmm. and so they'd, they'd committed to all these things but then they were getting almost no, no effort or energy from the company because mm. they're mm. so far down the list. Oh, mm. I think that happened to Crowded House on their, some, one of their first tours in the States yeah. I remember yeah. reading that they were touring with um was it Cheryl Crow was their support act, but she was getting more publicity because she was like the yeah. rising star yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought about all these things and I thought um, I want to be the high priority in the company and I want to have the best, you know, financial deal when someone finances my album. And the more I kind of worked through this process, I thought, actually, it makes more sense if I have a company yeah. and I become my yeah. own record company. That's right. That's so right. I, I, I financed my first album yeah. and I was the top priority artist on my roster of one. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and, you, know, um, you achieved a goal right there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I fully owned my album and I broke even on my first album after 10 months of release. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the fallacies that I think musicians have when they sign a record deal, that that they are then the priority of that company. You know, really, they are just signing uh, away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. went through this with the book. <laughs> uh, it was... Because uh, you would have had to have signed a record deal, essentially, right? Essentially, yeah. yeah but I, I had to... Uh, it was the most extraordinary thing. I mean, the next book... Did you self-publish? or you... I didn't, right. but I will. Right, because the publishing industry, um, I, I went for, I did it for a whole bunch of reasons, and mm. I certainly didn't write a book to make money off the book. Right, I, I wrote the book to promote the brand, to promote the profile, right. to create some opportunities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so I went through a publisher, and uh, as the discussion went, you know, you do a business plan for them and a marketing plan, and you say, oh, I think I can sell this many to that, and da 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 da, and I ended up the way that went underwriting the publication of the book right okay. to the tune of some thousands of dollars yeah. many many thousands of dollars um 
Now, I happened to be in a business where I, I knew I could recover that reasonably, reasonably. Um, well, you could afford you could afford to risk it. Yeah, I could afford to risk it, yeah. and it was a punt, and it was a long term play, etc., yeah. etc., and all of those sorts of things. But in terms of the value that they that the publishing house actually added, zip dot zilch. Right. You know, you think, oh well, at least we're kind of getting into this big marketing machine. When you get the book mm-hmm. uh, and you look at the cover design. You think of me because I did it, right? <laughs> you know, right. yeah. In a, yeah. in a restaurant in a cafe in Melbourne, I said they came up with these designs out of the states, and I'm like, oh, no, awful. <laughs> and they're charging you for that. They, too. They've kind of got arrows going downwards, as if you know, read this book and your business will plummet. <laughs> really? Oh, did they literally have arrows yeah-ha, going down? Yeah. So um, they obviously didn't read the book. Oh, yeah. Couldn't, probably couldn't read so so you know I, I did the well maybe it looks like this and there's these squares which was actually a motif in the book and right. and uh, the colours our corporate you know our, our, our colours uh, and just oh here's some templates for your marketing oh fantastic thank you zero value add yeah. now you know is it like you you know it's become self-financing it, it's generated a couple of opportunities several opportunities that have that have more than exceeded so mm. But it's um, the the institutions, the old institutions of publishing and, and studios, etc. They are completely bewildered, and mm. and they're not going to do the innovation piece because, and this is called the innovator's dilemma. You know why doesn't why didn't Kodak prosper? Why mm, did Kodak yeah. go broke? Mm. They developed, they did, they invented digital photography. Yeah, they that it was them, right? But the innovator's dilemma happens when big companies say, well, you've got to have a business case. And you look at a kind of a market like you know, social networks, for example, before pre-Facebook, well, there's no market, so there's no revenue. So mm-hmm. the big company goes, no, we won't be doing that then, sunshine. It's, it's the people who don't, need, who don't have the expectations about the revenue, the requirements for profit, which is why innovation in the, in the music industry industry the music business will yeah. not come from the studios will not come from the vested interests right it'll come from the musicians who mm-hmm. who don't have anything to lose exactly who you yeah. know already starving and, and sick of it you know so, yeah, yeah, so the bottom, uh, um, what i'm reading from that is the, the bottom drops right out the musicians are back to square one yeah. uh, and yeah. then they yeah. find a way to innovate or or um yeah, you know, yeah. without the record companies involved, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we talk about it often as it being sort of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We've got the three core components. You've got the the record companies traditionally, the artist, and the audience. Mm-hmm. Now, what would happen if you took one of those components away? So, if you took away the artist, well, then there is no record mm-hmm. industry. <laughs> so, that, you took away the audience, there is no record industry. Mm-hmm. You take away the record company, used to hello, the dynamic yeah. is it's changed, but yeah. it's um, probably something. A lot um, better and a lot more prosperous and a lot more genuine, I would imagine, between audience and um, actually an artist. But one of right. the one of the key themes of the the disruptive business models mm. is is dis, it's called disintermediation, which is a lovely word, isn't it? <laughs> Did you just make that up as well? Disintermediation. <laughs> seven <laughs> syllables. I think Good. I win. <laughs> um, start thinking so of it takes. <laughs> 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 but it's taking the it's taking the intermediary out, the middleman. Mm. So when you think about Uber, what Uber has done is taken the taxi company out. Yeah, and it's and it's put a network of people with cars who want to drive and make money, with a network of people who want to ride, and the technology puts those two together. 
Mm. So in the record, in your analogy, you know, in the analogy here, mm. what is the record company but a middleman mm. between a bunch of people who want to listen to music and a bunch of people who want to play? Mm-hmm. It's just another two-sided network. The, the, the thing that's really different, though, um, is that, like I was talking before about my first album, right, this album yeah. that broke even, which yeah. is almost unheard of, yet most people who are listening to this would never have heard it before, you know. Right. And, and yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing about like getting yeah. the bigger deal or the bigger, everything starts yeah. to happen. Yeah. Suddenly everyone's aware of your music. And there are yeah. plenty of artists who are very well known in this country um, and their music is very, very well known or very popular or whatever. And um, they're completely in debt on that music. Yeah. So, so it, again, it comes down to like, what do you want? You know, like, yeah, totally. totally. I, my outcome was, was stronger financially, but mm. then I would actually rather, you know, a thousand times the audience heard the heard well, the outside. You, you know what I mean? What do you want? Yeah, it's what mm. you want. If we were to explore that Uber analogy, or yeah. Expedia is the same sort of thing, right? They don't yeah. they don't own hotels, but they they selling access to I guess yeah. same as Uber selling and and Airbnb is another example. Yeah. Airbnb yeah. access yeah. to that kind of um, network, I suppose. Yeah. Can, how would how would music do something similar? Do you think how would producing music being a content creator that we are? Mm. Well, there's um, there's some some um, at risk of getting Danny on his, you know, hobby horse. <laughs> uh, you would look at things like Spotify and Pandora and say they are new intermediaries. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure that even worse, wildly, even worse for artists. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. not sure they're wildly different from the studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, they're, they're not really. Um, so, I mean, does there need to be an aggregator out there that, that's a, a much fairer model for the musician? That's sort of like an Uber that's going to disrupt the whole kind of thing in a way, but they're not taking 95% of... Interesting thing about Uber is that last year they lost... Uh, exact numbers elude me, but I'm... Right. You know, 42% of all statistics are made up by speakers on the spot. <laughs> so I'm going to say $1.6 billion. <laughs> yeah. Sure. They lost $1.6 billion on about $1.2 billion of revenue. Now someone will sort of remember that part of the podcast and tell someone else yeah yeah that's how it works that's how it works yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) they lost an enormous amount of money they are not actually commercially viable at all but their investors are hanging in there for the day when you've got things like driverless cars and uber becomes the the owner of the network right that's that can only and they kind of extend into freight into you know freight and distribution stuff so the aggregator model uh is not is not going to kind of make well in in music it could be different, mm-hmm. but your um, different. your comment about me getting reacting does that mean that you support the idea of of Spotify or that kind of thing? Because when you say because, support the idea of Spotify, do you support your argument about Spotify or, or do I use Spotify? No, I wasn't sure by by saying that I was going to object that that meant that you're in favor of Spotify by default, or if you were just commenting objectively. He wants to get on his high horse, doesn't he? No, he no, does. no. Because what I want to point out though oh, is, yes. that, is that <laughs> I think Netflix is. Yeah. Almost the same idea as Spotify, but done really, really well. I'm, look, I'm sure you could come up with an aggregate. Uh, look, I think the wonderful thing about Spotify, to be quite honest, is I've I've encountered more more new music than I would ever have contemplated. I'm mm. I'm a great fan of Graham Reed. I think he's a you know I read him every week and I use his kind of not because I, I like his his tastes and they're very wide. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you know I can get to kind of one or two albums, but then again, how do I get to them? You know, he says, listen to this thing from, um, you know, kind of uh, the latest thing from the West Highlands of New Guinea is blah, blah. And I think, oh, okay, that sounds quite interesting. But how do I get to it? Mm. On Spotify. So I just, I just um, turned off my streaming 
services last week. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I, I was on this rant about vinyl now. He's going back to vinyl. Oh, back to vinyl. Well, actually, not, not exclusively. <laughs> I've gone back to buying. Yeah. Uh, okay. so, so also I include digital... Um, downloads. Yeah. You know that iTunes is going to go streaming soon? They're going to completely yeah. nullify it. Well, that's what I've read. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what I'll do then. But I just found that I mm. I would always... Well, you have to rent it? You're streaming. So you're paying a monthly you pay a subscription. The subscription model is... It's happening in software. The subscription model is huge. I, my mm. business is run on a subscription model. Right. It is a beautiful thing. Right. For, for the business owner. Yes. Mm. What about yes. for the user? I mean, uh, it's a beautiful thing for them too. They yeah. keeps their cash flow smooth. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you know what you're going to spend every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And so long as you're delivering value, you know, it that's is the key, isn't it? Oh, con- yeah. Continuing to add value or to deliver. If people yeah. don't perceive value in, in what I'm providing, they stop. Right. And that's. But oh. can I can I just pick yeah. you up on something? Yeah. Because there's this kind of like you you preempted my response, which sort of meant that I couldn't then respond <laughs> which is very clever of you yeah, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it you saves know. time but I think. there's this kind of yeah yeah there, and, and I don't want to get into um, a debate about streaming because it's I don't think yeah no, a, no, it's, I, it's, that wasn't a, my point no, no 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 yeah but I mean I think that there is something to be said about musicians need to get their self-esteem back and learn to defend themselves and defend their craft and we've been royally fucked for, for 15 or something years and I think we need to be it's 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 a a legitimate conversation say Spotify is fucking us yeah it's good for the listener but it's fucking us and mm-hmm. and it's perfectly within our rights to and and what we should be doing is is trying to think of a way to you know get it back I somehow. think well yeah, yeah yeah true but I think there's another dimension we're not talking about putting it back in the box it's we're great not, for the know. consumer but really bad for the um, yeah I, look I think actually there's so much that's going on in business at the moment which is great for the consumer but mm. you just wonder about where it'll take capitalism exactly yeah like mm. things like another um, oh, statistic uh, Skype two billion dollars in revenue that two billion dollars actually represented about thirty-five billion dollars of revenue that it took off Verizon and AT and T, right? Replacing okay. voice calls with yeah. with data. Yeah, you know, mass. Who gets the return? We do the right. consumer. Mm. You know, the the gear that I'm sitting. You know, the the um the, the lovely Fender amp I'm looking at is a, I'm a lot older than you, Danny. Is about the same price now as it was when I was starting out. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guitar. You know. Mm. Guitars and, and instruments are actually way cheaper. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. And adjusted sure. for inflation, unbelievably cheaper. Yeah. So the um, so the return to consumer is it has been enormous. Mm. But I but I think the um, the other thing around that distribution piece and the other return to the consumer is given the difficulty of getting record sales is musicians have to find other ways of connecting. That's true, yeah. yeah. And what, they and what yeah. you know, the fantastic thing for us as consumers and musicians is the live performance. Yeah. You know, when, when I was playing, the, the gig spaces were, oh, you know, they were all getting swallowed up by DJs and... Yeah, and, yeah. And, or just, or, you know, widescreen TV, you know, big screen TVs. What's the rugby? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, was all, that was all the rage. Mm. Um, now it seems to me... And it's an interesting thing when when whole industries get destroyed. At the same time, there's a whole lot more people involved in the wider entertainment industry. Right. The wider leisure industry is now yeah. massive compared to what it was. Mm-hmm. Be that games, live entertainment, events, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, yeah. there's actually more opportunity for that now Definitely. than and, ever. And, and, and I think problem solving is, is a big part of it and, and yep. being able to look at your immediate circumstances and being able to disconnect with hype and idealism and, and some of those superficial things. Oh, just in the past. Astray. Exactly, and yeah. The past. Exactly, yeah. And, 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 and it's interesting that you said that just then because what I wanted to say was um, that there are a lot of people who are complaining about some of those models who are just complaining um, and and I think the people who are trying to make good points kind of get thrown in the same bucket, and that's where it becomes a bit messy. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm fully aware of the fact that we're not going back to the industry that we had um, never. twenty. You years never ago. go back, and no. and we probably wouldn't want to, by the way, because it wasn't even that great all the time for a lot. Well, people. you know, when you were saying that musicians are getting screwed, I, th- I, I mean, I, I love the blues, and I, and I went to the states last year yeah. and, and travelled some of those places. I drove up. Highway 61 in a Mustang convertible. Oh, nice. Uh, And man, you know, we think we've got it tough. Life was really hard and they did get screwed over. That's, yeah, but you can't say that like someone doesn't have it bad because someone else has it worse. (laughs) No, I'm just saying it's it's just, it just goes with the territory. Yeah. You know, and I don't think artists have ever had, unless you were kind of one of those artists that lucked out and made it big. Mm. Um, Generally speaking, artists in our culture get, don't don't get to get no. rich really. No, but one of the differences is is in the the artists at the bottom and the middle of the industry. Mm. And, you know, in the past you you could without a record deal you could mm. sell your your albums at shows and people still bought albums right. at shows. So yeah. you could sell a few yeah. albums each night, a couple of t shirts yeah, yeah. and, sure. and and you know you could start to get something viable going. And mm. there are plenty of bands in the states who you'd mm. never have heard yeah. of yeah, that yeah. they actually bought houses and had careers and you know, all it's, that. What, it, it's what Scott Page calls the middle class musician, right? Mm. You know, mm. You've got that upper tier, which you always do you yeah. know, in society. Then you've got the middle class who are sustainably, you know, supporting a career. Mm. And what was it with the core one thousand loyal fans? Yes, yeah, right. yeah, who yeah, if you yeah. can sell them a hundred dollars worth of product every year. Yeah, and $100,000 yeah and it irritates yeah. me in the conversations about all of these sort of streamings and changes yeah. and whatever that the conversations always go towards the top artists yeah yeah and, it, and it's always like that you know they look, they earned 10 million dollars on the album before and now they're only earning a million dollars and everyone goes oh fucking whoopee <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know boo hoo but, but I, they're not important the people at the top important. are totally unimportant and and they don't and now they don't last no well they're less important now because back in the day they used to be the ones that funded Albums for bands, yeah, it's true. That were the, the true. record companies are throwing money right. at different bands to see if they'll stick to the law, you know. Yeah, and but now they're less and less important because the, the record right. companies are not investing that money anymore in up and coming. They're not investing it in careers of, uh, of new no. artists, and, and, and that's another part of the mm. streaming thing that people mm. forget to talk about, which is which is that I think it's something like ninety seven percent of artists signed lost money or something like that. That's um, true. It's, look, it's right. the same in venture capital, and it's the same in movies. You know, two yeah. percent of the movies make ninety-eight percent of the profits. Right. Uh. It's the same. It's the same with books. It's the same with, you know, there'll be. What do I see this one? The, something like there'll be thirty-three million songs released this year. That yeah. can't be right. Yeah. Um, Probably but is. the record companies were able to manage that risk yeah, yeah, because yeah. they had the back catalogue that would, would bring right. in so much That's money right. each year. That but was when, fueled when, by baby boomers who are now not, right. you yeah. know, not replacing And, and Stevie Wonder's catalogue still sells and the Stones yeah, still sell. The All the stuff sells. Sell, so money yeah. ca- but when Spotify came out, for some reason, which completely baffles me, they, most of the labels put all their stuff onto Spotify yeah. and turned yeah. millions and millions and millions of dollars into trash a few thousands. Well, I think it's and, an and indication not, of where, how desperate things have got. Right. I think and, and I think right. that right. Yeah. And, but I yeah. the other side of it, though, mm. you know, again, the opportunity around technology is that to, to before to release music to get it to a wider audience to kind of you know replicate your voice you mm. used to have to go into a studio yes that's right 
the technology that's available now and through things like SoundCloud Very and stuff like point. that is unbelievable yeah. in terms of creating a distribution platform. Mm. So if I was, and, and you know, my brother and I are just sort of playing around with some of our originals and he's gone into uh, a studio with, with somebody, I think it cost him, I don't know, 600 bucks for the day or something. Uh-huh. What's come out is is perfectly acceptable as a start point and, we'll, yep. and then we can do some work on it. My son spends hours on tracks and they come out and he plays and I think, Holy shit, that's pretty. Not only is it good music, mm. but the you know the production values of it are, right. are fantastic. So, yeah. you know, the thing with technology is that for every Spotify, for every every kind of tearing down that happens, yeah, there's a possibility created. Mm. And yeah, absolutely. How you kind of um, it's it's for the creative mind to think about letting the destructive so this, it's called creative destruction mm. and it happens in every industry and it happens all the time and it's happening faster in our in our lifetimes yeah but you know what what are the opportunities to i guess um goes back to your point i want to do this stuff mm. and i want to make a living at it mm. you know, i want to be an artist i want to i want to write i want to sing i want to create but i need to eat right. and and i think if you kind of aim for that then you get creative about about how you do it, and that's why I think that rather that, than trying to be a, a, a mega star, right? Exactly, it's just, a game it's changer. Yeah. yeah, and that's why, like, my intention for that subject is not just to dwell on what I think is wrong. Yeah, but um, I think it's an important process to be able to identify where things are failing and identify where things are working and yeah. find solutions. And what the um, years ago, I heard um, this person talk about what he said, what he called the five streams of income. Is that a common business term? Mm, not yet. I don't know. Where, yeah, maybe might might after this one. <laughs> it depends yeah. on what industry you're in. If some industries only have one stream of income, mm. right? Well, well, this person was making the point that the, that the more streams of income you have within Intr- reason um, makes you more durable, makes you more bulletproof to, right. to, to all, all the changes, ups and downs. So that and could stuff. definitely be applied yeah. to musicians. And well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't quote them as well properly as well. I can't quite give you the context because it's so long ago. But I immediately put that onto my business and it made perfect sense to me yeah you know like right, I, yeah. I can yeah. and, and this is what i'm saying like i realized that i could no longer be the rock star that made millions of yeah. dollars and all of that yeah but what i can be is someone who makes a little bit of money playing yeah. like studio work yeah. and makes a little bit of money playing in covers yeah. bands and does a bit of money off my original music and collectively i've got a business yeah. i think that's what yeah. you've got to do especially yeah. in a place like new zealand especially in new zealand and this is a, a business problem in New Zealand. There are lots of businesses that will identify with you about having to have multiple streams of income. Right. Simply because, you know, ideally, if you want to grow big and successful, you find a niche and you just nail that niche. Hmm. In New Zealand, it's just too small. Right. You know, somebody said to me years ago, you segment the market twice in New Zealand, you're down to one person. Yeah. You know, it's and it's it's a reality. <laughs> most Most businesses in New Zealand have to have that multiple stream mm. it can be a distraction it means you never quite get the focus uh and it means yep, to go true. to grow really big to grow big you either have to acquire and that's not an option in, in the music world unless you become a band but you're still splitting it um <laughs> or you or you export right and you know there is an analogy there but look most i i think 98 i think maybe the number of exporting companies is around about two percent okay because it's hard yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 risky and it's hard, and most fail. Yeah, you know, most yeah. companies that export, there's very few companies that export year after year after year. Mm. We think of ourselves as a nation of exporters. We're not. 
Right. We've got one really big exporter called Fondera. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, and then there's a <laughs> and bunch... even they are, um, you know, facing headwind, strong headwind at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, well, well that's... It's, it's cyclical, but I mean yeah. they're still huge. Uh-huh. But the, but the you know a lot of companies dip in and out of export depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard work. Yeah, and if you think about that from a music perspective, it's all well and good exporting the digital version of your music, but. To go on tour and export the actual show yeah. is quite hard. Yeah. Oh, it's almost, yeah. you, and you have always been swimming upstream against mm-hmm. those artists who have the big budgets, like the Coldplay's, mm-hmm. right. those record companies who are pushing all of that stuff down to us, mm-hmm. English-speaking countries or whatever, mm-hmm. but not taking our artists back. And, mm-hmm. and then you get those those little fish that swim upstream, like a Lord or a mm-hmm. you know, um, how bizarre, you know, Paulie Fumana mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and those guys. I just wanted to. Uh, we talked about one of your break points, <laughs> and we sort of skipped over the rest. But is there any, you know, anything else in there? You said something about being clear or going clear. Is oh, that a Scientology um, no. uh, <laughs> reference? No, <laughs> no. <God>. Okay. <laughs> I read the first page of that book, uh, The Secret, and threw it away in disgust. It was such <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I sent a message to the universe. Um, <laughs> Uh, get clear. so so the first one was was um, get a life so yep. that was the energy piece when we talked about that yeah uh, then it was um, get clear and and we have been talking about that you know what is it that you want to do yeah mm. I think that's really important if mm. you if you want to be a megastar if you're consumed by dreams of stardom then you know you're pushing shit uphill right that, that's that's the facts and you might yeah. be lucky and luck has a lot to do with it and luck luck has a lot to do with business as well yeah. yeah. You know who who remembers the um, the, the 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 precursor to Facebook? Was mm. it, do you remember what it was? MySpace? MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. Where's that now? What was wrong with it? Nothing. Just didn't get the brakes right. Mm. Yeah. So so being clear about what it is you want. So you know, well, identify. did they face that innovators dilemma that you spoke about earlier? In terms yeah. of they opened up the the floodgates and then MySpace picked up and ran with it. Pretty much. And, you know, it was a feature here and a feature there, but who knew? You know, there's a lot of stuff that you talk, you hear people in business talk about how I, you know, how I planned my success. You think, yeah, that's all shit. <laughs> but in a way, it's sort of analogous to um, the music industry, the way it used to be. And then they got, we got completely, well, the industry itself got completely screwed over by the digital revolution. But then while they had their hands full or were asleep at the wheel or whatever the fuck you want to call it mm. the Spotify's came in and there was there's a gap in the market there's there. a gap in the market and we will fill that gap yeah, that's right. and we will yeah. screw down the artist even more yeah. you know yeah. the 0.000008 yeah, yeah, yeah. cents per play or whatever it is mm. um, and whereas that you know they, yeah, they took their opportunity I guess yeah, like Facebook that, did with yeah, MySpace they did, they did. And, and, and in those particular business models the first in is usually the owner yeah, it's really hard. Like um, uh, eBay, Trade Me, those kinds of things. You know, if you're, you're first into that reading network. my mind, I was going to say the same thing. You, but <laughs> yeah. no, Trade Me wasn't Trade Me came in after eBay, sort yeah. of yeah. on the back. of It that was the local equivalent. Yeah, right. and mm. they 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 were not, they were not actually first. There were a bunch, but the whoever emerges out of that kind of amoebic mess the, mm-hmm. as the biggest, then the others are dead. Has, has there been any other equivalent like that elsewhere? I mean, Alibaba in mm. in China. Airbnb is another one that's right. very hard to challenge. Uber, who's challenging Uber? You know, one, those those network games. Uh, well, who's oh. challenging Spotify? Yeah, I mean, you can argue, argue Pandora, Pandora, but that's a different yeah. model, isn't it's it? Slightly different. It is a different model. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it, it is a different model. I guess uh, Apple Music was trying to... 
take them on. But they, yeah. Spotify had ended up with such a foothold at that point. Well, that's it. That's yeah. the point. Once you got that kind of beachhead, you, you, you're pretty much fine. So ever, look, ever I, since you brought it up, I've been trying to think of what advantage Facebook had over MySpace. And I don't know. Because I was thinking about the other day, actually, uh, about those two companies. And it's funny how MySpace as a name actually makes more sense. Yeah. Well, like Facebook doesn't kind uh, of actually make them, you know. MySpace, uh, from what I understand, though, they did market themselves to personalities like people who had something to sell like a band oh i see um, okay. or right. a, um, whereas facebook was real social yeah. interaction between yeah you know yeah. that started the itself kind of thing. yeah and i think that's yeah. where it picked up but, but you know and he, they innovated as well yeah i th- i think you're right and i looking back uh, myspace probably too and here's the dangers of taking leaves out of other people's books apple was built around appealing to the creative right so you know apple is still the the mac is still the the you know the, the the laptop of choice for uh, for creatives. Mm-hmm. Fuck knows why. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. I, I'm kind of I've got a foot in both. Crapples. Yeah, so crapples. have I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that was their gig, and they still have that kind of uh, that that kind of element. And MySpace yeah. was also very much about identifying their market as the creative market, mm. whereas Facebook said, "Nah, that's just a bit of it. It's so it's this big. It's right. it's universal." And and that enabled them to, to yet, fly past. A second ago, you you made the comment like people talk retrospectively, like they knew what they were talking about. Exactly. And, and, and can you Did imagine Facebook? No, no, no. Exactly. And can mm. you imagine if we had a time machine, went back before Facebook, yeah. and tried to describe to someone? Oh. Someone, you know, <laughs> we, we could make a company that everybody out there almost yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is going to have a profile on and communicate yeah. with each other. Yeah, one point we'll, six billion people. Yeah. yeah, they go piss off. That's yeah, not going exactly. to happen. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. that's right. That's right. So, um, two two sayings. I want to bring this up um, as a slight left turn here there's two sayings um that you have said in the past that resonated right with me um and so the first saying was change the dream or change the team i was doing that today actually i was uh, recording the module on the dream team if the dream is bigger than the team drop the dream or change the team and what i love about that is it doesn't actually give you the answer it just forces no, you to yeah, think about it. That's right. And and the the way that that I applied that straight away when I first heard it was, was some years ago. Yeah, it was a band I was in. Things weren't working out. Mm. And what I realised is that I was going to have to adapt my goal to suit the people in the team, Correct. or or adapt the team to, to pursue the goal. Correct. And I eventually it, it just gave me clarity. Um, and I realised right. that I had the wrong people involved. Yeah. Um, changed the people, and and it went from strength to strength mm. after that. Mm. So, um, mm. I mean, do you um, are these sayings that you've found? You know. Uh, oh yeah. Do you make mine. any up no, at all? God, no. Um, no, I've nicked everything. Right. Um, <laughs> having right the right team is so important. Though. Yeah. Yes. You know, it is. It's it is vitally important. Having in a business sense, uh, rather music business sense, having a right, having a good manager who knows, mm. who has networks in the industry, True. who knows the industry, who also knows business. I mean, that's vitally important. Mm. Having the right people um, supporting you in the production team. You know, having a good sound mixer like your, your son, or mm. having Gavin um, Downey, Downey as your guitar yeah. tech. You yeah. know, mm. I mean, that stuff's vitally important. Mm. And and if you're vaguely, you know, it's really hard to know. You think that you've got good people around you, and then you kind of have this vague dissatisfaction. You should work on that mm. because it's probably true. There's a there is another old saying that I've nicked. Uh, I have nothing original to say. Uh, I'm a curator. <laughs> yes, a curator of one-liners. Uh, the time to fire a salesperson is when you first think of it, because <laughs> and. Uh, Actually, a lot of what a lot of what I've learned, I've learned from running my own business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have I am literally self-taught. Right. 
and and that's what makes my stuff authentic is that it comes straight from you yeah. know kind of I'm not a coach who just has to support myself I'm mm. not a kind of busker mm-hmm. uh, I've I've got a you know goddamn musical enterprise to support and <laughs> uh, the things I've tried and failed with uh, are all the kind of scars and mm. and that one's true you know um, chances are if you're kind of mm, not 100 percent sure about your team um then you you need to do something about that yeah because there is somebody better and then you get somebody being holy shit they are so much better right you mm-hmm. know yeah it, and it becomes actually it's not just having a team to support you it's having a team to challenge you yeah so we've yes. just you know we've, yeah, it's like right. having a great musician in the band isn't it they yeah. just they lift everybody they right? make you step up they make you yeah. step up yeah. Yeah. it's called a higher standard of accountability right. get rid of the yes men yeah 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 get the people who say no look we can do better but there yeah. are also yeah. times where changing the dream is the right thing yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah like if you're um let's say working with your friends on something yeah um and you're the guy saying we need to take on this really complicated thing mm. and they're going what it's Chill, like we can't bro. do that fucking hell yeah. and then you kind of go oh yeah okay fair enough you yeah, know, this, yeah this was a fun gig yeah what's yeah. more important here is yeah, that yeah, I'm with, right. the, with the people I'm with you know yeah that's right yeah. that's right yeah. it's, but it's important to have a, it's really important to have a vision going into it right you've yes. got this vision and, yes. and if you're driving that vision and you're choosing the right team to help yeah. you with that vision then and and yeah. that's and that, and that's the um, that is that second break point about getting clear right which is what is it that we're doing? Are we in this for fun? Let's mm. have fun. Mm, mm, yeah. Are we in it? Are we in it to kind of uh, become megastars? Let's try that. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, are we in it to to support ourselves while we do something we love? Then let's do that. Yeah. One of the things that always got me when people say, "Oh, you know, what do you? How do you vis- um, envisage yourself in five, ten years as a musician?" Oh, well, mm. I'm gonna. I want to sell a million records. Mm, mm, well, mm. you know, what's your goal? That, that's an aspiration, but how are you going to get there? You know, yeah, that's, that's the right. thing that seems to be missing from a lot of people's. Yeah plans if you like i'm going to be a megastar oh well then how are you going to do that and that comes back to that thing when you say well how are you going to do that they go well i'm going to sign a record deal yeah and then i'm going to sell a million records okay how are you going to sell (laughs) right but they were going to leave at that point someone else is going to do it (laughs) (laughs) and the getting clear but you know is is in in the work we do with business owners is all right what's the vision exactly that you know what's the vision um what's our purpose what are we trying to you know why are we here sort of stuff yeah and then what what stands in our way? You know, I, I like to kind of get into articulating what the barriers are mm. because most often the strategies are how I get around the barriers. And if you apply that in the music sense, in a music career sense, is, you know, whatever my vision is, I want to... Um, and, and it's pretty simple stuff at one level. It's kind of, you know, I want to support myself while I, while I perform my craft. Yep. Um, barriers... Um, Mm, you know talent, lack, lack, records, of talent. lack of talent <laughs> that doesn't lack stop a lot of people Stra- strategy <laughs> strategy is uh, better practice lots yeah yeah. and the goal that sits under the that becomes too. yeah the objective or goal then becomes uh, practice four hours a day yes right. I mean it's good enough yeah. for Eric Clapton it's probably good enough for the rest of us <laughs> mm-hmm. totally. so the the other saying because um, yes. there's two is um, the opposite of growing is knowing do you remember saying that? <laughs> you the look on your face just then was like you, you forgot. Um, the interesting thing about this, I, I'm not sure I ever said that. Yes, you did. Did I? Okay. Did the opposite company. of growing is no. So the enemy. someone who, who feels like they know everything, like yeah. me, yeah. I feel like I know everything, <laughs> therefore I'm not going to listen to anybody exactly. else. Exactly. I'm yeah. there, I'm at that point, I don't need to do anything else. Yeah. And it, well, I'm not quite 
quite interested in the fact that you don't seem to recognize oh, no, 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 what happens, and it happens a lot, is that people say, oh, it's like you say, da-da-da-da-da, and I think, oh, I never said that. <laughs> what I do say is the enemy of learning is knowing. Okay. But I like yours better. I'm going to take that. <laughs> the opposite of growing is knowing. The opposite of growing is knowing. Yeah, I can't imagine that I would have adapted it that way. I don't know you why. Heard, that's what you heard. I can't Maybe I've done either. that whole um, That's thing. what you heard. Yeah. And and I'm always comfortable with whatever people remember because I think yeah. if it sticks in your mind and you <laughs> and it makes sense to you, then, yep, that was me. <laughs> yeah, well, no, well, I mean, as far as my um, memory serves me, I didn't make that up. But, it, but it, I notice it, um, a lot when people often are so busy agreeing with you and, and you think, Wait a minute! You're not listening to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing people do is they go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. When you talk, yeah, 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 yeah. It's oh like, Shut god, the fuck that up. pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. That f- I've known people like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're just yeah, waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you get a lot of that in the music industry. People who will tell you what they think you want to hear, right. you know, mm. and they'll say, "Ah, Danny, that song was amazing. Mm. That should definitely be." your next single yeah and then that person goes away and then you never see them again but here you are going oh he, that should be my next single and mm. they're just blowing sunshine up your ass they don't That's care right. they're, not, yeah. they're yeah. not invested in you yeah, yeah. they often yeah. don't even mean what they're saying they actually yeah. just want you to like them yeah yeah yeah. it's a popularity game being in the yeah. industry I mean right. being in the music industry the other sides of things not new musicians but the, the people behind the scenes it was always one of those glory jobs that you wanted mm. to be in the entertainment mm. industry you wanted to be a record sales rep for a record company, or well, it's exciting. It's an exciting industry to it be used in. To be. Well, it's, well yeah. it's creative. I think you it's know, exciting playing music. The creative piece playing is, music. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But is it? Uh, you know, I, um, I'm a bit semantic. You know, I, I get a bit sort of word nuance. One that was a yeah. former boss used to say, "For fuck's sake, stop nuancing." Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure it's a word, but it's pretty accurate. So yeah. I'm going to nuance. I'm going to say. Uh, music industry versus music business. You know, if you think you're in the music industry, I think you're. I th- the model I have that m- that immediately crops into my mind is dark satanic mills and um, <laughs> you know, kind of industry and cogs and wheels and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Whereas when you say the music business, I have a different concept. Right. And yeah. and I have a concept of about entrepreneurialism and, and yeah. creativity. I actually think that, and I've seen this time and time again, when I kind of try and tap into why business owners do this shit, you know, you think music's hard. Frick, try and run your own business. Right. It's yeah. really hard. You know, it's waking up at three o'clock in the morning on, on the, the day before the payroll and thinking, I don't have the money. Yeah, I'm insolvent. <laughs> I'm insolvent. The yeah. IRD wants the GSD and I don't have sweet <laughs> FA. You know, I mean, it's, it's grief, right? Yeah, but I, th- I one of one of my observations is that a lot of people do this out of a genuinely creative impulse, right? Which is the impulse to build, the impulse to create something. something what's yeah. what's creativity? It's taking something that doesn't exist and making it exist, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you do in business, right? And you take this thing and you you keep working on it and, and evolving it. It's like the album you never release. You know, you just kind of, <laughs> or, or like a band. You know, you you kind of. Uh, Maybe the, the analogy is a bit strained. I, I don't think it kind of. No, works, well, I've always I've always thought that um, business was a really creative thing. It's a totally like, like, creative like way thing. at the start. I was talking about the perception of business when I was growing up. Yeah, and yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. And I I inherited that opinion 
without mm. really thinking it through, mm. not mm. realizing that half of it was based on TV characters. Mm. Um, and then, and then bu- setting up a business Simpsons. for me was a, <laughs> yeah, or like, um, Mr. um, you know, every episode of MacGyver, there was the businessman who was the bad guy, you know, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, the villain, yeah, 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 all those shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was always the guy. Well, with his desk. it wasn't but, that far away. There were a lot of corporate, yeah, there, yeah, exactly. a lot of grey yeah. corporates, yeah. But I mean, for me, it was a means Military to an end because I, because I realized that I, my choice was to have a day job and spend most of my week doing something else and play music part-time mm. or I could mm. get my act together and, and set a business up mm. and then I'd be, you know, doing my own thing mm. um, and that would serve itself, you know what I mean? So that was yeah. the reason why I got into it. Then I, through um, experiencing that, realized that it was actually really satisfying mm. and, and really creative that through all of those... To survive as, financially was as creative yeah, as making and, as writing and, songs yeah. and putting a plan together and then implementing that yeah, and going through yeah, the process it, of tuning it, it and whatever. And I found it really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I think it's kind of starting to go up there now as one of my kind of life passions as much yeah. as music. Yeah, yeah. And one of the I would like to say I read this book, but I actually listened to it in an audio book, um, <laughs> Creativity Inc. And it's about the people, including Steve Jobs, who was a big yeah. uh, proponent of starting Pixar. Mm. Yeah. And um, the way they built that company, you know, they haven't, they're, they've had number one after number mm. one hit, you know, and um, Finding Dory is mm. now just smashed however many records, or, or are they Disney? Oh, Disney Pixar, they are yeah, yeah, the same company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, they, you know, the way they built their company was on the creative impulse and every single thing they did and every decision they made were was based around that creative you know mm. what's our main vision is to create the best possible animated films um for people to go and see mm. and right. everything comes from that but the way the way they did it it's just incredible yeah that business structure the model i would you know encourage people to read or, or get that download that mm. book from audible.com mm. creativity good. inc mm. and he just goes through step by step what they did and mm. Literally, they took the, um, I think it was Honda car um, company, where anyone on the floor can stop the production if they find a fault or something wrong. And they took that right down to the cleaners at at, um, Pixar. If they, you know, came across them and they said, hey, there's something wrong here, Mm. stop. So they had a clear objective. Talk about it. Because one Mm. of their clear objectives was excellence. They wanted to really innovate their market of animation. Yeah. And um, and if they had done half half as good a job they would have it wouldn't have been as cool mm. wouldn't mm. have worked and and apple did the you know their their mission and what i talked about before their purpose stuff um you know the apple purpose was to make cool things mm. you know that was it and yeah. and you know we can say what we like about what goes on inside and we could say plenty <laughs> but the outside is beautiful but I, I remember um working on some of the earlier machines before mm. the sort of apple mm. revolution happened mm. and i remember i remember actually saying to someone why does it all have to be so ugly? Yeah. You know, like, why does it have to be so boxy and grey and yeah. it's just so fucking oh, ugly? Macintosh. Yeah. Yeah, and, the Macintosh. And, and, yeah. and it's just, it just really frustrated me. Like, I have to spend so much of my day staring at this shit. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, it's just not cool. It's not fun. It's not It's not intuitive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was obviously, um, the my frustration was already, someone else had thought of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was developing yeah, it over in, yeah, yeah. over in America. Yeah. Yeah. With the risk of running down uh, another sort of dark rabbit hole, maybe we'll try and keep these brief, though. Um, <laughs> the seven mistakes business owners make. You, oh, yeah. You've listed them, I think, on the websites where I pulled them from. Yep. Um, thinking small, under-marketing, setting, uh, settling for less, working too hard, which we've sort of yeah, covered. We'll about that. Yep. Um, adding complexity, which we've sort of talked mm-hmm. about. Working in, not on, mm-hmm. and knowing but not doing. Yep. So if you were to sort of um, give a few sentences about each one of those points that we haven't covered yet 
So thinking small, what what does that mean? I think uh, I know what that might mean, but I think it's just kind of limiting yourself. I think it's and and I and I try and do this. I'm not always I'm not always as uh, rigorous about it as I should, but I try and talk to to uh, when I'm talking with my clients and, and the members about. I try to avoid using the word small business. Right. I try to I try to encourage everyone to use the word growing business. And okay. again, it's not it sounds nuancing, <laughs> but it's you <laughs> no, know no, it it's, words matter. Yeah, right? yeah, they do. And and words thinking small words have meaning, and meaning <laughs> meaning sinks in. Yeah. Um, and I think the thinking small, but you know, well, I'm just a, and I say this to my wife. Oh, I'm just a humble small business owner, <laughs> and she usually swears at me on that because she knows I'm lying. But, uh, <laughs> Nothing humble about no, you, not at all. Small business, yes. But you know, it's it's that kind of um, putting myself down, putting yourself down. Uh, the thinking small, but you know, I'm never going to amount to much. This right. is as good as it's going to get. That kind oh, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's such a limitation. I mm-hmm. pulled this off your. Um, your website, I think mm. it was on your website today, um, where you said, being small is no reason to be slack and unprofessional. Mm. Small businesses can learn a lot from the way their large um, mm-hmm. counterparts go about things. I thought that was excellent. Actually, um, you can, you know, I remember writing this article, things we can learn from corporates, and a whole bunch of people, you know, wrote it, oh, corporates are evil, you know, you might. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going, oh, for God's sake, get, <laughs> get your hand off it. The, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the reason those businesses have grown is because they've put in the infrastructure and that's what's often missing in small businesses. Mm. Yeah, is the disciplines, the professionalism, the formality, and the structure, processes, and systems. Yes, yeah. and and you know some you know oh god that's that sounds like bureaucracy. That's no, not. Mm. Do you know what the secret is? That actually the whole trick to this is really quite simple. Be organised. Right. Yeah, goes a long way. Eh? <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's be organised. Yeah, right. and most of us are not. And yep. big businesses are. Mm. You know, how can you be that incompetent? How can you be as incompetent as a, as a Vodafone and still make money? Because you're really organised. Right. And incompetent to be organised. To, to one of those other, knowing but not doing. Knowing you've got to be organised, yeah. but just not, to, just not being organised. Mm. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to be organised, but, you know. Well, and, and that point about, you know, kind of uh, all the stuff we've talked about here and people sitting, you know, sitting, uh, thinking about it. Um, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, but are you doing it? Yeah. And, and I run seminars and I, you know, I'll be saying all the stuff, the, the, the get a life, get clear and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah no. Oh, that's uh, no, it's good affirmation of uh, I already Opposite do growing. It's what I already yeah. do. Yeah. It's what I already do. Yeah. I, 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 or I knew that. Yeah. Not necessarily I do that. Yeah, sure. I yeah. knew that. See, there are things that like as a musician, I tell myself every time I'm on stage because it's so yeah. psychological, you know, to keep, to get myself in the headspace and yeah. keep myself in the headspace. Yeah. Like, there's little mantras that I yeah. always yeah. refer to. I just think that if you just go, yeah, I know that and you move on, it's ridiculous. You know? It's amazing. It kind of means you don't know it in a way. The stuff, the really good shit that I've forgotten. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I sometimes go back to it and think, Oh yeah, I used to do that. Yeah, and it's a really good thing to do. <laughs> I should really keep doing that, <laughs> right? You no. Know? Yeah. But if you don't have mantras and if you're not organised and you don't have not so much necessarily checklists, although checklists are good, mm. uh, even for the routine stuff, um, just making those making those good habits. Right. You know, it's it's very powerful. Checklists are Gets great. Gets your head into the right place. Right? <laughs> I was I was getting ready to load out for a gig once, and a guy I work with a bit came past um and he saw it sitting on my desk and all my, and my gear was now pretty much loaded out yeah but he saw it sitting on my desk um and i and i he didn't know i could 
see him because yeah. I was sort of in the next room. Yeah. And I saw him pick up the piece of paper and read it. And yeah. he kind of goes, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like his brain was melting. <laughs> oh, my God. He has a checklist. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, He's well, organized. I don't forget my shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. so the natural extension of the thinking small would be, you know, thinking big, the opposite of that. Do you, would you encourage people to think big? Is that? Yeah, sort of, yeah, definitely. You know, think yeah, bigger than what you've got. Help them. Uh, it just pushes their, it just pushes your thinking. It just creates more possibilities. You know, if you think mm. small and this is, you know, what you've got is what you're going to get, then you don't think. You just keep, you know, stay on the treadmill. But if you think yeah. big, it's kind of, how would I do that? How would it look? What would I have to do? Right. So you, it's the creative you, if you game. start at the, like, at the end goal, like, yeah. I've achieved this goal yeah. and work your way back. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about, the obstacles in your way now, yep. you're always going to think about those obstacles as opposed to, and working your way through them. How you get around them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about under-marketing? What can you say about that? Uh, I think most of us in small business, well, there's a budget issue, but also... In growing just right? Growing businesses. Thank you. In growing businesses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we just undersell ourselves. You know, I think it's it's part of the same thing. The, the the extension of thinking too small is is not presenting yourself in the best possible light. I was I was writing some stuff today, um, describing uh, the content that I've been recording. Right. And I was doing the kind of you'll learn in this module, you'll learn this, and as a result of this, you'll be doing it. But blah, 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 blah. and it's, I thought, shit, that sounds pretty good. I thought, why don't I have that stuff threaded through the content? You know, why right. am I not marketing doing what I actually call internal marketing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why am I not boosting it there and then and reminding people there's a tremendous value? What I'm about to say now, tremendous value. <laughs> you know, yeah. why don't I do that? Yeah. Um, I'm just making the same mistakes so many of us make. I was talking, oh, rather, I was telling Danny about a podcast I was listening to, and I can't even remember because the first time I've listened to it. On the way over here, I stumbled across it. Mm-hmm. But a, a, a nugget that I took from it was about, about viral, or not viral, but video marketing. Right. Mm. And on, you know, how people do that on, online, on YouTube, and what have you. And they noticed that at the end, if people put at the end of the video, um, click here for more information, they would get maybe 2 or 3% mm-hmm. click through. Uh-huh. But if they had put that annotation in one third of the way through, they got 40% um, click through because people were on the thought, the train of thought with them while they were, and they got all excited about, okay, yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with what they're saying. Okay, okay, cool. Oh, they said, okay, call to action. I'm going to do that now. Right. But at the end of it, once the video is winding down, they've moved on to the next. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm shutting this down sort of thing. And so you're saying they don't even watch the end of the video half the time? Sometimes, no. Once they yeah. feel that the thing's winding down, yeah. they'll they've lost shut. Yeah, they're moving and on. And then they'll right. miss moving the annotation yeah. to click to the, yeah. Yeah. what you're saying about marketing within the... Within or even yeah, if yeah. they haven't so. clicked off the video, you're, you're saying that their sort of thought process is over. Yeah, now, yeah they've now, now kind of moved on from yeah. what, you know, yeah. um, what you've been talking to them about. But when they're hot in that thought process, yeah. that's the time to capture them and go, mm. okay, I will click through. Interesting. Um... Settling for less. Um, that's that kind of uh, copping out, really. Right. Uh, those those moments at which you kind of uh, give up on the dream. Right. Um, whatever that whatever that dream might be. But it's also it's also the quality piece. It's the kind of you know it's good enough for the government sort of approach. <laughs> um, when you've got this vision and this expectation of yourself that you're going to do good shit. Yeah. And instead you do average shit. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, in the, in the musical sense, it's that bit about just having one more go, trying a slightly different arrangement, one more take, mm. you know, mm. or as opposed to, oh, that'll do. Yeah. You know, mm. um, yeah. that that'll do, people know that'll do. 
as opposed to and you can go too far right with all of these things the um the the, the thinking big you can go to I, I know a few people who have thought way way in excess of their capability and right. they've come a cropper mm-hmm. but that's less of a risk than thinking too small and achieving exactly what you set out to do which yeah. was bugger all yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay um adding complexity well, in the context of you know the kind of multiple revenue streams, mm. um, at one level that looks like complexity. Um, we tend to kind of accumulate stuff. You know, we tend to accumulate relationships and you know lines of business and and customers, and we just we keep adding stuff yeah. rather than pairing it back. You know, to what the to to the essence. Mm. And as a consequence of that, you lose focus. And if you lose focus, then you've got your limited amount of resource spread too thin across too much. Mm-hmm. It's more a matter of, you know, finding those things. One of one of the things I do say is that the the enemy of the, another enemy, there's enemies everywhere. <laughs> uh, the enemy of the great idea is the good idea. You know, within your portfolio of of revenue streams or or business activities, what's the one that, that kind of really is a humdinger? You know, right. is a great proposition. That's the one we should be focused on. Mm-hmm. Instead, we tend to kind of, you know, tack a bit on here and tack a bit more there and a little bit more there. Yeah. And it just takes, it's it's just like a, you know, a, a net going along behind a boat, you know. You mm. start out and you're kind of catching fish, but then you get the old boots and the radiators and all the other kind of stuff. And it, yeah. it just gets heavier and heavier as you drag it along. Right. You know, getting rid of that stuff, decluttering. I'm a huge fan of that third break point, get free. Mm-hmm. Which is get rid of the clutter, right? Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the low value stuff. And that's not create a void. That's not contrary to the multiple streams idea, is it? It's just a, no. It's just a filter of well, you know, analysis and pro, you know, yeah. You know, I mean, because, if you've got to have five in this business, then you've got to have five. But if you've got to have five, don't have ten. Sure. Mm. And, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. and if you're going to have five, you know, five this year might be a different five next year. And, and something that I've done is is continually kept reviewing yeah. each of these subjects and then learning when to let one go. Yeah, and that's, you know? that's exactly the same. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's yeah. exactly right. Is this this year's five, you know, four from last year, one's new. Right, exactly. Uh, and I've ditched the other one because, you know, it didn't, wasn't working. Is that, yeah. the, uh, is that the 80-20 rule? Yeah, sort of? it is. The eighty twenty rule is huge. Yeah. Mm. That so 80%... Of, oh, yeah. So, yeah, the... 80% of the value comes from 20%, 20% of the effort. Of the effort, right. yeah. So I can tell, you know, so many businesses, 80% of the profit comes from 20% of the products. Right. Yeah. 80% of the flip side is 80% of the grief comes from 20% of your customers. Yeah. Right. There's a small number who who cause a lot of grief. True. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing that I got out of um, talking to in the past is learning how to rate your clients. Yeah, Have you heard that before? No. It's brilliant. No. Assholes, bastards, and... I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) Yeah, being able to, um, well, I'm sure you can... Well, taking care of you, right? You know, the A's who are the 80% of the value, that 20%. And at the other end, it's not not usually 20%, it's a smaller number. Um, The the sort of the D-class clients, I call them the sphincter clients, because when their their name comes up on the caller ID, there's a kind of, you know, puckering (laughs) effect. (laughs) And now that, you know, they they just cost you money, they cost you time, your staff don't want to deal with them, grief, stress, all that stuff. Flick them. Get rid of them. Cut them loose. Yeah, yeah, cut them loose. Send them to the opposition. <laughs> the last one that, that we haven't really touched on of the seven mistakes that business owners make working in, not on. 
Yeah, and that's I mean Danny knows this well and, and I think is a great exponent of what it means to work on the on the business as a music business. Mm. Uh in terms of your plans and what you're gonna do this year, what you're gonna try to achieve. Mm. I mean I suppose the working in the business is in the in the music business is uh well, I guess is is, is the playing and singing. Yeah, I mean you've got to do a certain amount of it. Yep. And it's not it's absolutely not the case for growing businesses that you can be entirely on the business as the business grows you can do that but in and for, for most growth businesses you, you're doing a certain amount in uh, and i think the you know the, the the metaphor for music is absolutely that is the, that's you know that's what you do um it's why you're never going to be scalable because your product is the you know is, is the other product <laughs> you are the product your yeah. hands your voice mm-hmm. you know it's that's the product it's yeah. like dentists um, you know, it's very hard to make a big dental business because in the end, you know, you're one dentist and one chair and you've only got eight hours in the day. That's right. So, you know, the trick is to make as much out of it as you can. Yeah. So, you know, working in the business for musicians is going to be doing that stuff about hauling the gear in and, and you know, setting up and sound checks and playing. Yeah. But outside that, you absolutely need to preserve that time for thinking about the direction you want to go this year, where the opportunities are, yeah. who the contacts are, making those calls, setting them up. Yeah. And and that's what separates, I think, the people who can uh, make a genuine living out of it and, and create a business out of it from those who actually get called to turn up to gigs. Yep. Right? Mm. And it's what you want to do. And what at the start, we're talking about um, being busy. And, and that's the sort of thing that you need to actually create time for, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's another it is. example of how if you're living in this constant state of chaotic busyness, yeah. it's probably not working very well. No, and, and, and a lot of the busyness will be that kind of, you know, 80% of stuff that creates 20% of the value. It's the right. flip side, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff. And, and getting rid of that and creating time so that you can pay attention to the stuff that is is most has the most effect. Yeah. You know, that's when you get the kind of return on it. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, maybe a, um, a good place to start to wrap up on is because, mm. um, you know, you've got experience and knowledge about music and mm. of, obviously in business. And now you've got two sons who are um, yeah. very, very creative yeah. Yeah. and are both pursuing. Um, are they both pursuing creative well, careers? Well, they are actually. Yeah, um, yeah. Harry's doing really well in the, uh, in the film industry. Yeah. Uh, he's moving his way up from, you know, kind of third assistant runner to... Right. Uh, to AD, assistant director, which is the next, and and the and the thing with with Harry is, um, uh, while he loves the creative, mm-hmm. he doesn't actually want to get behind the camera. Right. He really enjoys the infrastructure side of it. Interesting. He's incredibly practical, mm. and you know he came out of that kind of sound engineers course, yep. pretty close to the top of his class, only uh, you know. 300 graduated from that particular college that year for the two jobs in the sound business. Um, and he's and he's made his way into film, and he's just it, like he took himself off to Wellington. He yep. comes from there anyway. He stayed with me for a while up here. Uh, got himself made a connection into Weta. Got some, you know, dirty work at, at Weta. And thing about him is he's personable, yeah, totally reliable, and resourceful. Right. And those attributes are more important than any technical knowledge he may or may not have. Yeah, because I hired him a few you times as, as a sound engineer. Yeah. And and that was I the piece, that, wasn't it? Sorry, that was the piece that I remember you saying. You know, the, yeah. all all the guys got on with him because he was personable. Yeah, he always turned up. Yep. And and if there were any issues, he just got on with trying to figure it out. It was it. it was never a big deal. Yeah. But he was. It wasn't like um, 
that didn't mean he didn't care. No, you know, very he, professional. He very, very, he very yeah. much cared. Yeah, um, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't freak out. <laughs> no, you know? no, no. He's yeah. very calm. So you know, those at the end of it all, you know, those kind of personal attributes. Mm. And if you can bring some of that to play wherever, then then it'll be okay. Yeah. Um, my youngest son is um, very, very talented, absurdly talented across yep. a musician, range of instruments. Right. Yeah, yep. musician. Yep. Yeah, uh, across a range of instruments. Um, he won't admit this, I don't think. A few years he will. His mother made him learn the piano, kicking <laughs> and screaming on a Tuesday night. You know, but boy, does he! Uh, you know, his his depth, his technical knowledge, and now he's into composition. And he's one of those guys. That my my worry for him is is simply, and we've had this conversation. Is look, it's great that you can kind of sit here and do this stuff. Mm. It's fantastic, you know, the the soundscapes he's creating. Yeah, but you've got a gig. Right, you know, I, my feeling—I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. My feeling is, you've got to get out and gig. Oh, yeah, yeah. talking to two guys who've done that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's actually got a great stage personality. Right, um, gigging tends to just kick everything into place, doesn't it? Well, like yeah, just I listening does, to other people you know? and yeah. how to deal with like shitty sounding rooms and yeah. terrible audiences yeah. and good audiences and all but, of, you know, all for of that, the above. For that moment when you get it right, yeah, is, is there a better feel? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I have I have great moments in in my business life. I have um, moments in, in in my education process where I see lights go on in people's eyes, and that that's fantastic. Yeah, right? I have moments when when I can see my advice is kind of you know at a one on one level is changing somebody's life. It's that's fantastic. But uh, you know that moment on stage when you when you nail a lead, mm. and that moment when you kind of connect with the guy you're singing with, and you just hit that note at exactly yep. the right time after just exactly the right break, you know? Yep. Oh, man, that's magic. For me, it's often... That's why we the, do this shit. It's, yeah. the, it's the pause when... Especially when you're playing in theatres and right. um, and you hit the the last note and, some, and if you if you stop a song suddenly... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang! And yeah. There's, this, there's this really odd little silence before the audience quite processes that you've finished. Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. then you just before they start clapping, you hear this... Yeah, that's and, right. You know, that's and that right. kind of... That to me is it. That's like I got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So that's what you're looking to do, isn't it? That's yeah. why. That's why you know whether I'm just playing dirty old covers in a in a little pub, or you guys are playing in theatres, or mm. you know recording, or or being played on radio. It's uh, it's those moments, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And that, and that's why I kind of think for my son, gotta find a way to get out there and make it happen live. Yeah, and I think that's one of the you know let's kind of bring it full circle in terms of technology. Isn't it interesting that with all that technology? The music business has become the money, the money unit for the music business, for the people who stay in it is is playing live, right? You yeah. know, is getting yeah. paid, and it's no different from from Shakespeare's players. I call it the hundred year cycle. Hundred years ago, we didn't have a recording industry, we, um, yeah, that's and, right, and, and yeah. the whole thing grew out of technology advancing, yeah. the ability to record and, yeah. and reproduce Replicate. and so on, yeah, and, yeah. and then and this whole thing got to the top, and then it. Technology whacked it. Yeah, it all, it all sort of exploded, and now we're back down to gigging. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? Years and, and, and what we're saying is, I mean, you know, to listen to recorded music is beautiful, and it's it's art form, etc. Yeah. 
But there's something about a gig. That's right. Absolutely. There's nothing that can nothing to replace that life. Yeah. For a positive yeah. note to wrap up on. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I didn't get around to talking. I, mean, I think we probably will have another one of these where we sure, talk about how did you turn around Southern Health Care oh, yeah. from oh, 42 yeah. million to $32 oh, million dollar profit. Yeah. But we'll get to that next <laughs> that's, time. That's my marketing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, no. Dr. Mike Ashby, thank you so much yeah, thank for you. being it's here. Been a real pleasure. For giving us your time, which is very valuable. You know, so um, and some great insights. A lot of people out there are going to get a huge amount out of this. Great. I think. Great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a it's been a fun conversation. It's uh, uh, you know the two passions of my life is uh, is music and music and business, and yep. it's nice to be able to bring them together. So thank you for the opportunity, guys. Fantastic. Thanks again to Acoustic Hearing Technologies. Thanks for sponsoring us and making this possible. And thank you to our guest, uh, Dr. Mike Ashby. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. Amazing. Station. Um, and um, to everyone listening, keep in touch. Um, click on everything and post everything and send us Share, feedback. Like, and, yeah, we want, yeah, we want as many people as possible to hear this. Tell us everything you agree with and disagree with and uh, all, all of that. Thanks for listening. See you later. later.